that would mean anything. They are such wonderful, great people of God. And the Lord spoke to me and took me through the path that I'm going to share with you. But before I start, I'm going to ask Miss Norma if she would, if she would pray for me before we start. Let us bow. Heavenly Father, who to know is to love, and to love is to serve. We come here today giving you praise and honor and glory and worship you for who you are and for whose we are. Lord, we know there is a river that never runs dry. Help us to reflect on that every day of our lives and to know that you are the source of everything that we will ever need throughout our lives. We'd ask you now, Lord, to bless these that have assembled here, the homes from which they've come, and all the many things that you have done for each one of us. We thank you that we are celebrating All Saints Sunday, which is such a meaningful time in our lives for there have been so many saints in this church and in this world who have gone before you and led others to you and who have influenced our lives in ways that are just too numerous to, to explain. We give you thanks for them and their memories and for all that we hold dear about them. And for the song too, Lord, look for me, we'll see them again. Also, we ask you to bless Harold this morning. May your Holy Spirit anoint him and give him everything that he needs to speak the word that you have for him. Bless us all that we may listen and take to heart what he says and that we might always seek your will and know your will and do your will. We thank you most of all, dear God, though that you allowed your only begotten son to come to earth and die in order that all of us might have eternal life. For that we are so thankful and so grateful. Help us never to lose sight of what is the most important thing in our life. And Lord, we'd ask you now to go with each one of us to our homes and to our communities, to our workplaces. And may your Holy Spirit lead us all and guide us and direct us in the way that you would have us to go. Protect us and defend us against the evil one. For in the mighty name and sweet and precious name of Christ that we pray. Amen. I'm glad that Miss Charlene called me uh, two nights ago to ask me about All Saints Day. Because even though I was the one that was standing here, here and allowed her to make her special announcement last week, I had already forgotten the fact that this was to be All Saints Day Sunday. But what was the amazing part of it all was that the direction that the Lord was leading me took me right in the very same direction. I looked up on the, in Google 
and ask about Methodists and how they celebrate All Saints Day. And basically, it gave us a couple of guidelines. Number one, one of the things you do at this time is to remember those who have died this year. Saints that have gone on to be with their father this year. But also within the Methodist Church, they remember and honor those that have passed many years ago. And may even think and honor of those who still are alive and exist today. Someone that played a part in their lives and them being here today to being one of God's children. From Psalms, the 66th chapter, if I can find it quickly enough. And it won't be, I apologize, from the Pew Bible because I don't have that with me up here. I would like to read my thoughts. It goes as follows. Come and listen, all you who fear God. And I will tell you what he did for me. For I cried out to him for help, praising him as I spoke. If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God did listen. He paid attention to my prayer. Praise God who did not ignore my prayer or withdraw his unfailing love from me. In chapter 136, you'll hear the psalmist recounting history of Israel, ending each verse with his faithful love endureth forever. So as I thought about my own life, and all those who played a part in my life, I can remember as a young boy, my early childhood Sunday school teacher was a Mrs. Dern. And if all the stories I've been told about myself were true, that poor lady had her hands full. I was told I ate crayons, I ate paste, and if there happened to be a little girl sat beside of me that had a ponytail, it got jerked on. So I guess I was a real wild child, I guess you could say, at that time and age. But I also know that during my early childhood years, I began to hear a message. A message that has resonated and grown in volume and in meaning to me. And it came from Romans 3, 23. And it said, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I was thinking back to my youth, thinking, well, what the world did I do? I wasn't as bad as Jace. Jace was a lot meaner than me. How could I be in such bad shape? But the words were shared. Someone cared enough. Those are not easy words to speak to a child. They can be very confusing to an innocent child. 
to hear those words. But on top of that, they told me about 1 John chapter 8, where it says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And it went on as far as, in my memory as I raced back, thinking about some of those early I don't even know what the boards are called, but you teachers with some age can remember them. They were the boards that had to fall the cloth on them, and you had to cut out to the Bible figures, and you could put the Bible figure on the cloth, and it would stick there. What was it called? Flannel boards. Flannel boards, okay. And the stories of Adam and Eve, and of course their disobedience in eating from the tree that they weren't supposed to eat from. And the story that Paul reminded the people of Rome as he was writing to them before his visit. He said, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Hard words for a young person, and I'm not sure that I completely grasped everything. I'm sure in the innocence of my mind and my sense of devilment with my teachers, it's hard to tell how much that sank in. But someone planted that first seed in my heart. And praise God, I had a mother who prayed and cared about me and asked the Lord to take the words that I heard and let them be enriched by His Spirit that they would take root in my heart and bring forth fruit. And I believe God honored her prayer. In our prayer study the other night, we were talking about, did you ever think that God was answering prayers before the need ever arose? And we shared one incident that we were all familiar with from the church family here. But I can only imagine my mother praying for her son. Because when I signed my professional ball contract and got out of home, was out running around in the world, I would be lying to you if I told you that I was making any attempt to live for God. I was on a fast track. I was in triple-A ball as an 18-year-old. Then I had a car wreck. Thrown out of a car, hurt my back, and my ball career was over. And I can remember a comment. I shared this with my Sunday school class this morning. Where my mom told me that the children of the church had come to her and had interviewed her and said, Ruth, do you pray that Harold's baseball career will be successful? And I think my mom shocked them all. And she said, if my son can serve the Lord and play ball, yes. If not, no. Probably shocked them. And then in my older age, after mom had passed, and my thoughts went back to my mama's comments and her prayers. How amazing God was answering her prayers before she even uttered them. Because when I got out of ball, I moved back into the community, and I once again started attending church. 
And I heard a pastor say from Romans 6, 8, for the wages of sin is death. And I'd already been told that I was a sinner in the need of God's grace. And he said that the wages of my sin, what I have earned by my actions, is death. And I can, I can tell you, I can remember my first reaction because I, I said, I'm still here. How can I have died? You're telling me the Bible says that I surely died the minute I sinned. And then someone so lovingly, so faithful. Yes, it was an individual, which I'll ask you to remember at the closing of the service for yourselves. Someone whose faithful love endured forever moved upon the heart of someone to teach me that what I was actually experiencing was a separation from God. My sin broke my fellowship with God. For God is a holy God. He will not tolerate sin in our lives, and that's why we're asked to repent and to come unto him. So basically what I was being told, that when Adam and Eve took from that fruit and started the old blame game that we all have a tendency to play nowadays when we get in trouble, well, you know, if it wasn't for so-and-so, I wouldn't have done that. Uh, and God told them not to eat of that tree at that time. His perfect creation. Because if you remember the story of creation, he said, and when he finished his creation, he looked at it and said, it is perfect. Everything was perfect. God's work was complete in creation, and it was perfect. But man, in his disobedience, brought sin into the world. The good part of this story is it doesn't end there. Yes, the wages that I deserved was death, separation from God. But God was not complete. For in Romans 6.23b it says, But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait till we were good enough. <laughs> that would never happen. And we all know the verse that probably every child in this church can recite to me this morning, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And at this time, I've chosen a person to ask them to read a passage of scripture for me because what we're talking about here is the sacrifice that God made for man, for you and I. At this time, if Francis would, if you'd come forward and read, or you can read from there if you'd like. I'm reading from Isaiah 52, verses 13 through 15, and from Isaiah 53, verses 1 through 12. See, my servant shall prosper. 
He shall be exalted and lifted up and shall be very high. Just as there were many who were astonished at him, so marred was his appearance beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of mortals. So shall he startle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which had not been told them, they shall see, and that which they had not heard, they shall contemplate. Who has believed what we have heard? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before them like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by others, a man of suffering and acquainted with infirmity. And as one from whom others hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him of no account. Surely he has borne our infirmities and carried our diseases, yet we accounted him stricken, struck down by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole, and by his bruises we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have all turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By a perversion of justice he was taken away. Who could have imagined his future? For he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. They made his grave with the wicked and his tomb with the rich, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him with pain. When you make his life an offering for sin, he shall see his offspring and shall prolong his days. Through him the will of the Lord shall prosper. Out of his anguish he shall see light. He shall find satisfaction through his knowledge. The righteous one, my servant, shall make many righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will allot him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out himself to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet... He bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Thank you, friends. A prophecy given to Isaiah somewhere approximately 800 years before Jesus died on the cross. God spoke to his prophet and told him of this one who would come and who would die. The crowds, the general masses, He's shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Thinking that his reward was for his actions. But it was for our sin. God didn't leave us with a page stub that said death. God supplied us with a page stub that said life life eternally. In Romans 10, 9, 
It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. I've heard people make a comment and I realize maybe not in the content in which I, I'm getting ready to use it, but I've heard him talk about when people, preachers like Billy Graham would, would quote this passage of Scripture, they would always say that cheap grace, cheap grace. And all I've got to say, if you were listening to the words that I was listening to, there was nothing cheap about our grace. Nothing cheap at all. The very God of very God came to earth, took the form of a man, was beaten, Scripture says, to the point that you could barely tell that he was a man. For you. For me. Praise God for that Sunday school teacher or that pastor or that friend. As I look through the congregation and I see so many people and I've heard your testimonies, I've had the pleasure of sitting with you and listening to you talking about your youth. I know there's been some great saints of God that have gone before you, that have played a major role in your lives and why you're here today. And for some of the younger people here, it may be some of you that are living a life that will influence them and lead them to make a decision somewhere to follow you. Because it is not about earning it. Ephesians 2.9 tells us salvation is not a reward for good things we have done. So none of us can boast. In other words, you can't earn God's salvation. It's a gift from God. The only thing you can do is accept it and give thanks for his faithful love endures forever. There are many songs written by the songwriters. One of the things I love about this church, one of the things I love about John, and I hate to admit this, folks, but I really do love John. But we'll come here and we'll practice as a choir. We'll practice songs. I'm thinking, man, that was a beautiful song. You can't beat that, and then Johnny proves me wrong. He'll break out another one. And it's beautiful, too. Why is it beautiful? Because it's telling me of the story of a God who loved me. In spite of me. Praise God for that love. This morning as we come to light our candles. I want to ask you to think of the people in your life. Who were those influential people? Who were the ones that lived, spoke, or said the things in front of you for you to be here today? There's a poem that I found that I'll close with before we do the invite to come forward. We give you thanks, O God, for all the saints who ever worshipped you, whether in our arbors, our cathedrals, wooden churches, or concrete meeting houses. We give you thanks, O God, for the hands lifted up in praise, manicured hands, hands stained with grease or soil, strong hands and hands gnarled with age, holy hands. 
We thank you, God, for hard-working saints, whether hard-hatted or apron, blue-collared or three-piece suits. They left their mark for you, for us, for our children to come. Thank you for the sacrifice made by those who have gone on before us. Bless the memories of your saints. May we learn how to work wisely from their example of faith, dedication, worship, and love. Let's close with prayer. Father, we think of Brother Paul when he wrote his letter. And he asked the church there to pray for him that he would be bold. That you would give him the words to speak when he stood to speak before them. Lord, Brother Paul, believe that this was so. And I thank you, Father, for your gift to me. For, Father, you know the nerves and the anxiousness that I have. But I thank you, Lord, for your spirit, your love, your mercy, and most of all, your words. Go with us now, Father, as we light our candles in remembrance of those who've gone on before us or maybe who are still here today but living a life that is influencing us towards you. For I ask these things in Jesus' most beautiful, precious, and holy name. Amen.